Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, do you know what will go great with this podcast right now? A scrumptious Cadbury snack. Crumbly biscuits smothered in smooth, delicious Cadbury milk chocolate. Oh, yeah. Cadbury snack, the perfect biscuity bite for that mid-morning break. Pick one up in a store today. Yes, what a treat we've got for you today. The guy with the yellow teeth meets the guy with the yellow tie. Jim White. <laughs> the daddy of Sky Sports, thanks very much for coming on, mate. It's a great pleasure. Good to see you. Your teeth are not yellow. They're all right. They're not yours, but they're not yellow. <laughs> back in Glasgow, so is it always good to come back? Did you grow up here? <clears throat> I grew up here. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's great coming back here. I've been up now twice in the last, uh, in the last fortnight. Uh, having not been here in the last year. Uh, and I grew up here, grew up in Jordan Hill, uh, nice. went, to, went to school not far from there. And uh, I love Glasgow. It still, always has been, still is a great city, mm-hmm. great people. Uh, as I say, well nigh on a year, I hadn't been here, walking to Glasgow Airport, um, and in the space of about 50 yards, I'm greeted warmly insulted quite viciously <laughs> <clears throat> and sort of uh, patted on the back all the emotions of the day but no it's great it's a great city people say that um sports journalists are failed football players personally i don't know what they're talking about but was that the case for you were you, were you a footballer as grown up as a kid um i played rugby at school right uh and was fairly useless at that uh I enjoyed it did athletics as well actually played cricket um, although my knowledge of cricket is still extremely doubtful. Um, no, I didn't really play much. I, I played for the, the Boy Scout team, right. the Scout team. Uh, and my dad used to come and watch me. And uh, I remember I was so vain even then as a player. I ran out once, I ran straight to my dad and asked him if the number nine in the back of my shirt was straight. Is it straight? Does it look all right? And then proceeded to have one of many nightmares. Um, but I loved football. And I think my, my inclination then, even working in newspapers, uh, when I was at the Johnson Advertiser, I covered St Mirren. Mm-hmm. And I used to love that. And they had Tony Fitzpatrick and uh, who was that guy? Derek Hislop. Do I remember him? I think so. 
And I used to love that, and I thought, yeah, I, I, I like football. The manager was a guy, Jim Clooney, right. and he scared me a bit. And then I met Ferguson. Uh, the great Sir Alex, of course, was at St. Mirren. And uh, he gave me one or two little tellings off then, even that young. I could only be 20. Uh, what for telling you off for what? Do you remember it? Just trying to be cocky, you know, <laughs> just trying to... And then I'm going to ask you this, and then I'm going to... And Ferguson would just be like, well, just do it, son, you know, don't tell me. Uh, so uh, very <laughs> early on, I met Sir Alex. <clears throat> and all that was great, uh, and I loved it. I really loved that, like going to St. Mirren matches, and I was thinking, I've really made it here. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of making it. And of course, I knew nothing and uh, behaved like an idiot. Was it my my was hairstyle it, was dreadful. Uh -huh. Your hairstyle, was it? Yeah, terrible. It's looking well nice, I like it. Well, do you like that? Yeah, old Jarhead's nice. Uh -huh. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you're looking great. Thank you. Wait, was um, it yeah, STV? It. STV was your first media job? It was, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Now, where was I? I was, I was still working in Johnston, and I cheekily applied for a job in the newsroom at STV, uh, and I got the job. And nothing on screen was mentioned then. It was working behind the scenes. But, of course, I couldn't write a story to save myself, really. Worked in the newsroom, um, got in about it, really enjoyed it, and then stuck with it. You know, did a bit of court reporting, uh, got on screen, for a period of time, fancied myself as a showbiz reporter. I mean, I tried to... I can imagine you doing that, huh? Anything that was coming up, I tried to get a bit of an involvement in it. Teamed up with Billy Sloan. Uh, I interviewed David Bowie at Murrayfield wow. uh, when he did the China Girl tour. I had about 15 minutes with David Bowie. I'll never forget that. The, the two different eye colours, he's looking at you in a crazy way. And he was lovely, really oh, yeah. lovely. He wore a powder blue suit. He, he was just magnificent. Uh, grabbed a hold of Jagger across the road from here, in the, or up the road from here, outside the Apollo in the lane. Wow. And uh, he completely knocked me back. I, I thought he would maybe give me a quick uh, answer. He got out this uh, chauffeur-driven car with Jerry Hall then, and uh, tried to get, grab him, do a box pop with him, completely rubbered me, walked in. And then I get the, the invite to go in. He, he would probably speak to me. And then, of course, like so many times, or I don't know if you've ever had this, I found myself pushing to get an interview. Then once I actually got there in front of the individual, I didn't have a clue what I was going to ask. Uh, like so, this, not at all. You're, <laughs> you're well researched. Well researched. So I had to work on that so that when you're in the position of getting the interview, don't let yourself down because you might not get that guy again. But see, see, getting guys like Bowie and Jagger, was that sort of the thing that pushed you on, your profile yeah, started in hand. I loved that. I wanted to try and shove myself forward, show that I wouldn't be phased by anything. Mm -hmm. I went through to the, uh, the uh, where was it, the theatre in Edinburgh, the Playhouse uh, in Leith, and police were playing there, and I managed to get Sting to give me an interview, and that was great, and I liked him. I wanted to hear what he was like. I was always curious to find out what these people are like, mm -hmm. um, and they were all great. Paul McCartney and Wings were touring, and I managed to get through to the, the tour manager, and I don't know how we did it, but we persuaded McCartney and the band to come into STV. Wow. And the whole of STV at the top of Kirk Gardens was aware of this and work stopped. Everybody down tools waiting for McCartney. But of course, being the guy that had arranged it, you always had the feeling of, this is going to be mortally embarrassing when they don't show up. <laughs> but, uh, but the tour bus came up the road to STV and out they got. Wow. McCartney, Linda, Denny Lane, and the rest of the band. 
And we went in and we recorded an interview in the studio and I, I could hardly believe it. And I always remember McCartney said, well, I couldn't not do it for you. Your name's Jim, my son's called James. How could I not do it? And I just thought, this guy's amazing. Uh -huh. Was he a top man? Uh -huh. Lovely, yeah, yeah. Did you brilliant. get nervous in there, guys? Yeah, 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 I got tongue-tied quite a bit. I was like, I can't believe it, I'm sitting, you know, like this close to McCartney. Because McCartney was there, Linda was very close to him, Denny Lane, and the rest of them, the rest of them were like, with due respect, not interested. <laughs> so, Paul, how are you? Um, and Billy Sloan would phone me up and say, how'd you get McCartney? That was good. And that made me feel great. On to the football. You travelled to the World Cup in 86. I did. How was that experience for you? Um, it was great. It was a late decision by STV to send me... Uh, they decided that I would go out there and do news coverage out in the streets and all that kind of thing and um, be in and around Scotland. There was a great story about the World Cup in 86 because FIFA should never have staged it in, in Mexico. Uh, Mexico had been shattered by an earthquake which hammered the country, but it was too late for them to redirect and repo the, the tournament. So Mexico got on with it. Scotland played... Uh, we had uh, Denmark, uh, West Germany, and Uruguay. And uh, I was fascinated to see the place, and I wanted to go out, and I kept on chipping away in somebody at STV and wore them down, and they're like, oh, just go then. <laughs> and I, I went out there, and it was 16 mil film. So it wasn't like this where it's instantaneous. This was film, they shoot on 16 mil film, and you had to find a laboratory and process it, and then get a satellite feed time and feed your report back. Not as glamorous as it sounds, isn't it? No, it was hellish. Mm -hmm. With the time difference, you were up all night. You know, I had to go to a place called Chapultepec outside Mexico City and sit endlessly, like looking at loads and loads of film, edit it, and then send the report, and then hope that that somehow gets back to Glasgow uh, via London. And it did. And I was fascinated by the Mexicans. The Mexicans were brilliant. And the Scots and the Mexicans mixed brilliantly. And it was party time in the street. You couldn't fail. The stories were amazing. There was a Scottish guy called Monroe who'd sold his house to finance his trip. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and was in the process of a divorce <laughs> at that time. And he said, if this doesn't, if this doesn't get me divorced, then nothing will. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, wow. You know, and people like that, they, they amazed me. And I was, I was in their company a lot, and I was trying to get stories like that. Rod Stewart, I met Rod Stewart for the first time after we got beat by Denmark, 1-0, Preben Eltjar. And um, Charlie Nick was playing for Scotland. And in fact, he got, he got hammered, he got carted off. And uh, outside the stadium in Netza, which was a hellish place outside Mexico City, desperate neighborhood. Uh, I mean, uh, like open sewers and all that. Yeah. And uh, like Rod, Rod, yeah, yes, <laughs> Rod's, uh, no offense to Easter House. Uh, definitely not, it was only a joke. Pac Maison, as it's known in France. <laughs> uh, there was this stretch limo and there was Rod. And Rod was like, get in. And I get in with a cameraman and he said, you can interview me if, you, me if you want. And we did an interview with him on the way to the airport and he was flying back to LA. And he was talking about how he would follow Scotland anywhere and he'd be back to see either West Germany or, or Uruguay. But I loved it. It was fantastic. It was great. And it was Maradona's World Cup. Do you think the times have changed? Like, rock stars just letting you have interviews like that? Does that still happen these days now? Well, he, he's always been quite open. I must right. say, he's quite different. Uh, he's our mates now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I like him a lot. Uh -huh. uh, and he comes up to see Celtic a lot. And he's, the, the thing about Ross Stewart is he, he's such a genuine individual. Uh -huh. He doesn't change. You know, 
gets out of bed, has a shave, gets in his plane. Like you and I would take a cab, he takes his flight. And, uh, <clears throat> and he comes up and he goes to the game. You ever go to a Celtic game with He invited me at New Year, last New Year, and I couldn't do it. I was trying to be Billy big, big time. I, I can't, Rod, I'm going away. I was going to America, I think, uh, for New Year. <clears throat> but I wanted to go. Uh-huh. And hopefully, God willing, I will go. He, he emailed me the other day about something that kicked off about Ian Abrahams at TalkSport. Oh, was big moose, I heard Yeah, the moose was criticising. Uh, so I hammered the moose for that. Because everybody hammers him <laughs> and he quite enjoys it. He quite, he, he quite likes the publicity moose. He's a lovely guy. And then Rod emailed me off the back of me hammering him. He wanted to hammer him too. Why not? <laughs> Let's all have a, a mutual hammering of the moose. <laughs> uh, but Rod's great. And I think it probably has changed now because if I was to sit in front of anybody, anybody now who's like making his name in, in the music business, they would be like, who the hell's Jim White? And I honestly, even worse than I was then, wouldn't know what to ask. But Rod's great, and that was a fantastic time, and sending an interview back with Rod was great, and I got a buzz out of that. Um, Mexico was a great experience. It was a great experience. What about the players? Would you mingle with the players as well? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it, it was good. And uh, Unfortunately, Jockstein had died, and Ferguson and Walter Smith were looking after Scotland. And um, I was in about it. I think I interviewed Sunis. Crucially, I met Sunis at that time. I'd met, I'd met Sunis before when he, he was out. I persuaded STV to let me go and do a documentary on Graham Sunis when he played for Sampdoria in, uh, in Italy. And uh, why I allowed STV to do it this way, but they did it this way, and it was, it, it was nowadays you go, you go and grab an interview in London, it's just you meet a cameraman, he does a lot. He does sound, he does lights. I mean, this is a luxury, what you've got here. I set all this up. Everybody watching this, you wouldn't believe the, the crew we have here, but each one is an expert in their own right. Uh, and they're all bloody gorgeous as well, aren't they? And they're, well, that, that young lady certainly is. <laughs> <laughs> so, in, in, uh, in, in Italy, I remember saying to STV, Graham Sunis is, is allowing me to go out, and we can do a half-hour documentary on him. So I met Sunis, <clears throat> and we were out there, and he played for Sampdoria, Trevor Francis was playing. They had a, <clears throat> a Brazilian called Cerezo, who was fantastic. And we went to the bus, we could film on the bus <clears throat> with, ben, uh, with Sampdoria, we were playing Benfica. And, and Sunis was saying to me, these two in the back, you'll get a lot of laughs, with, film them, you'll get a laugh with them young boys who have signed for Sampdoria. And I remember turning around and looking at the two of them, both guys, Sampdoria blazer, shirt and tie, scraggy hair, and they're like this. One was Viale, the other was Mancini. Wow. Kids. Amazing. And we go to the game, and union rules then, we had to finish filming at halftime with a cameraman, an assistant cameraman, sound, stagehand. If, if we wanted a glass of water from over there, the stagehand brought it over to you. All union rules then at STV. Mm-hmm. Director and PA. And girls taking notes during the interviews. So we're mob-handed, and of course it was costing STV a fortune. So we had to watch our times of filming, but soon as was great, gave us access, we could film him playing. And it stood me in such good stead that, because I had a conversation with him further down the line, and he said, I'll see you in Glasgow very soon, I'm coming back to Glasgow. I'll never forget it, and I didn't know how to handle it then, I was still pretty... Uh, not good enough then. And he said, you're talking to the next player manager of Rangers. And I was like, say that again. I'm taking over at Rangers. And I'll never forget it. I was sitting up the road in Cowcaddon's like, oh my good God. 
So when are you coming over? Monday, I'll see you Monday. How much, how much of a buzz do you get when you know you've got someone like that? Well, that still remains one of the great moments of my career. But I didn't know how to handle it. I should have shut my face and I didn't. And I told people at STV and they're like, really? Wow. So it was kind of out. And it kind of got out. And then I had to get in touch with Rangers because Jock Wallace was still in the man in the job. Right. And I knew Jock Wallace and I liked Jock Wallace. And soon as it asked me just to go out there on my own and see him at the airport, but I went out and I took a cameraman. And he walks through the door and we started filming. And the rest was history. The cat was out of the bag. Soon as the next player manager of Rangers. Oh, yeah. And it was a great story. It was an enormous story. And um, I remember being on Sky that night thinking, that's it, I can retire. What did I know? I'd actually made a bit of an arse of the story. I should have covered it better. Mm. I didn't cover it better. I should have shut everybody out, just kept it to myself. Only told the one cameraman who I trusted, that's what I should have done. And then just gone nuts that Monday night. So it was kind of known that Soonest was coming in. There was a rumble in the city. And what was he coming for? Well, then I revealed at six o'clock that night on Scotland Today, the Soonest had the Rangers job. And thereafter was an incredible time in Scottish football. So after Mexico, I kind of moved to football all the time. See, after the Soonest interview, you said revealed Rangers. Obviously, yeah. you were big time in, in, in Scotland yeah. then, living in Glasgow. Yeah. How, how was that sort of life for you socially? Was it a great time? Uh, oh, yeah, I loved it. Um, I absolutely loved it. He was enormously influential uh, to me because he helped me, he helped me no end. Uh, and I liked him. I liked what he was doing. Uh, Scottish TV, in, in his first season, of course, the, the, the revolution, if you like, of him signing players that we never thought we'd see here had really begun. They signed the, the first guy they signed was a guy called Colin West, and I didn't have a clue who he was. And there's just this big burly target man from Sheffield Wednesday, fair hair, you remember. And uh, he was the start, the procession had begun. Nobody, nobody could believe what he was doing. Butcher was the one. I mean, Butcher had Captain England in Mexico. Uh, did he, uh, was he the captain of Mexico? Yeah, well? he tried, he had three or four unsuccessful attempts at hammering Maradona when he scored the second goal against England. If you watch that process again, him and Peter Reid, could not bring down Maradona. Uh, we, Peter Reid was towing a caravan, weren't you? I remember uh, yeah, saying that. Yeah, uh, do you remember? Uh, uh, and Maradona had, hand, hand of God, that had happened. But then, just for good measure, he scored a second goal that still is down in the, the history books. as one of the all-time great. Butcher couldn't get to him, but Butcher had had a great World Cup. And soon as signed him and tipped me off, Butcher is coming in at the airport. Get your arse out to Glasgow Airport. So would he tip you off on every big signing? He helped me, yeah. He helped me. Uh, I remember speaking to him and he said, we're signing Graham Roberts. I was like, Graham Roberts? Wow. And he said, uh, hi, Roberts, can you imagine the impact he'll make in Scotland? And I always remember seeing him soon as saying to me, soon as saying to me about Roberts, I mean, have you seen him play? I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> and, uh, and of course, Roberts uh, made his own contribution to Scottish football. And it was incredible what he did. And that was an amazing time. And, and Celtic weren't in the headlines. They would be signing people like Mick McCarthy. With all due respect, it didn't have the impact that Haitley did second time round. And, and all these players were coming up. Uh, I remember Ray Wilkins signing. And I, Ray Wilkins and I, God rest his soul, I was telling him recent, recently before he died, and I was in talk sport, 
and I was at Glasgow Airport. And at that stage, I thought, yeah, I was. I, I'd had great moments in my career getting those people coming in, but Wilkins was coming in on a Friday, and um, he was at Paris Saint Germain at the time. And Sunus had got him, and the cameraman and I. I had a time of arrival for the flight, but I'm in the bar with a cameraman thinking, Billy, big time, everybody's looking at me. They must be wondering, who are we here for? Uh, anyway, we miss Wilkins. Oh, no. Didn't get him. <laughs> so I'm like, shit. <laughs> Scottish TV, all of a sudden, my reputation's tarnished, <laughs> as if I wasn't in the process of tarnishing it enough. And uh, we went back to, we went to Ibrox. So he, he's obviously getting picked up at Ibrox and was taken at uh, uh, Glasgow Airport and taken to Ibrox. And yeah, he's arrived, we missed him. And the guy in the door's like, he came in a few, some time ago. I'm like, shit. So I managed to get a message to Wilkins. Can you help me out? Wilkins came through, and Wilkins was wonderful. And it was, good afternoon, young man. You missed me. I said, we, miss, we missed you. He said, get, up, get set up at the front door. And Wilkins walked to the far end of the street. And what, you know, short of getting out an imaginary taxi, yeah. came around the corner and was walking, looking every injury awoke. Evening, gave me the shot I needed. Brilliant, The exclusive shot, Ray Wilkins has arrived in Glasgow. I needed that shot. But I always remember things like that and I, I thanked him for it, Ray. And he said, well, I wanted to help you out. Brilliant, yeah. See, all these exclusives, is that what led to you getting the, the Scott Sports job on STV? Uh, maybe, I don't really know. I had, a, you know, I, I know that Arthur Monford wasn't going to last forever. I didn't know if that's what I wanted to do. I preferred going to places other than sitting in a studio. Mm -hmm. uh, but it might have done. Um, I look back in that, it was just a weird time. You know, like everything was autocue based. Now everything's kind of much more frantic, relaxed, off the cuff, I think. As we are doing here. Uh, As we are doing uh, here. Showing them how it's done, isn't it? This is the way we're, this is the way it should be done. Uh, but I still loved it. In some ways, I'm not sure. It, it, it was great to be able to say that I presented that show. I, I used to love watching Arthur Montford and Archie McPherson as a kid. Um, and then I think, I think in all honesty, uh, my mum and dad get more of a kick out of me doing that than I probably did. Uh, but no, it was, it was great to be able to say that I did it on a Sunday afternoon. Scott Sport with Jim White. And most folk would go, Oh, jeez, oh, gosh. <laughs> so was, there no big, was there no big TV was at the BBC? How, how competitive did that Yeah, get? it was quite competitive. My, um, my attitude still then was it's not uh, being on it, it's what you're actually saying on it. And uh, uh, Gordon McQueen had phoned me one day and he said, I'm on this afternoon, uh, I'm coming up, I'll be, I'll be there for you at such and such a time. And he goes, uh, a bit of a hangover from last night. Brian Robson was up last night. He's staying with me at Kilmacomb. I'm like, brilliant, Gordon, bring him with you. So, of course, he brings in, you know, no, there was no such thing then as going through somebody's agent. Big Gordon walks in, Gogo walks in with Brian Robson. <laughs> and they're like, hi, Brian, how you doing? Sit there. Good afternoon, <laughs> welcome to Scottsport. Uh, Gordon McQueen is with me, and alongside him, the former England captain, Brian Robson. Brian, good afternoon, welcome to Scottsport. You know, like, any chance I got, I would try and take. But were and players much more accommodating back then? Because that would never happen these days, eh? Is that a shame, that? It's a good question. They, were, accommod cheers, mate. they, they were accommodating, but it, it, was, it really sort of depended how you did it. It was more, it was more of a kind of goodwill nature. Uh, these days, trying to get, you know, you try being in London to try and get Marcus Rashford on live. It's well nigh impossible. 
It's very difficult. And it's who you know. It was who you know then, and it's who you know now. That hasn't changed. Just one thing I want to ask you about. It's the Tommy Burns speech after the, the centenary double. You, you, you interviewed him, didn't you? When he said they're yeah. there and they're always there. See, these sort of moments, do you know they're going to be iconic? Um, I remember getting dragged off Hamden, dragged off the playing pitch by the Hamden officials because we apparently weren't meant to be in the sacred turf. Right. That amused me greatly. You, you know, in full time at the end of a cup final, you weren't meant to run on. But for devilment, half the time I just ran on with a cameraman and uh, they would come to you live. So Arthur was up the road at Cowcaddens. Let's go live to Jim White. He's with Tommy Burns. They could see it in the monitor and I was with Burns. But I would just grab Tommy like that. And I loved Tommy Burns. There was something about Tommy Burns from day one. Um, used to call me James. And you know, All right, James. And I, I, I really loved Tommy Burns. So there it was. Yeah, and that, um, that brings back the memory. I remember being out there uh, and he was so emotional. I mean, he literally had tears in his eyes. This was his moment. Uh, Celtic centenary year. And they'd won the cup. And I remember stopping him. I said, you, you, can we do this live? And he goes, oh, James, 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 James. I was like, oh, Tommy, you know, and hugging him. And I had an earpiece on, but Arthur would talk like that back in the studio. And you could hardly hear, let's go to Jim White. And he's like, what? <laughs> and it was like, cue Jim. And I'm like, Tommy, my God, you've done it. You know, and things like that, I always remember. It would probably be quite di different now. But that, I remember walking off and I was in tears for him. I was very, very upset about the, you know, the end when it came for Tommy Burns. He was a lovely human being. Well, you go a long way to meet someone. Wilkins and Burns, now they are two so, people. Uh, you never had your Rangers strip on with that interview, did you? I didn't, I did not. I was, I, I was probably completely blissfully unaware, no doubt, of the verbal diatribe I was getting at that time when I was out. Uh, Is that him out there with Burns? I hate him. Uh, but it didn't bother me that. None of that bothered me. Uh, I used to get it in the neck a lot from Celtic fans and, and still do. Uh, but it never bothered me. I think it's because of my association with Sooners, because I did a really, really stupid thing one night, and I regret it to this day, uh, doing a Q&A at some Rangers club with Mark Walters, you remember this, and Bill McMurdo, uh, uh, Bill McMurdo was uh, Morris Johnson's agent. Here's another story, Johnson. Yes, yeah, go for it. And, uh, and McMurdo was there that night, and uh, I remember at the end of the night in, the, in this Rangers club, uh, it amazed me. And I was quite protective of Mark Walters. I really like Mark. I see him in London now and again. Uh, the first black player to play for Rangers. And I, I loved the guy. And I felt for him about some of the stuff that he took, you know, some of the ridiculous scenes that happened. Anyway, he and I are doing this Q&A. And at the end of the night, this, this flute band appeared. And... Uh, the organizers are over at us, and I was like half pissed. And Walters, I think, uh, Walters was like, what on earth is happening? And uh, this bloke, this cyclopic individual comes over to me and said, you got to wear this, Jim, and give me a jacket, draped his jacket around me. And I, I'm like, oh, God, what's happening? And, of course, some pictures are taken. Next thing, I'm in the front page of some newspaper. And I was like, now we know, Jim. But I swear to you, that was a way, I, I, I at no time would be like trying to, give me a jacket and I'll put it on, that'd be a laugh. You know, uh, it all happened very quickly. 
And looking back on it, it was just such a ridiculous... I laugh at it now. I laugh at it. it how, the, the nonsense of the moment wasn't lost in me. But I thought, ooh, that could come back to bite me. And it did. And Celtic fans, quite rightly, were quite unforgiving of that. Mm. Now, many Celtic supporters who I've known for years still have an affection for me, and I like that, and I have a respect for them. If Tommy Burns was still around today, he and I'd be like, remember that ridiculous time you appeared in that band jacket? But um, I look back and I think that was such a stupid thing to do uh, because it would offend quite a lot of people, and I, I was annoyed at myself for allowing it to happen. Uh, Mark Walters probably thought it was confusing then, and it probably still confuses them now. <laughs> But uh, if I could have done one thing again that night, I would have taken it off and given it back to the guy. But hey-ho, it happened. For anyone wondering who Jim was saying you'll remember us, it was Donald Finlay who was speaking to <laughs> <laughs> Right, the yeah. Mo Johnson story. Incidentally, it's good seeing you again, Donald. <laughs> right, the Mo Johnson story, give us that. Well, the Mo Johnson story was an interesting one because um, all the I'd been out at Celtic Park for the unveiling of Morris Johnson, the return of Morris Johnson. He'd been to Celtic, he was at Nantes, where he'd become a fantastic player in France. That stint out in France really was uh, the, the making of him. And uh, Celtic thought they'd got his signature. Billy McNeil thought that Celtic had re-signed him. But um, whatever happened, the signature wasn't there at that stage. And Celtic paraded him. I always w remember Mo wore a, a dreadful jersey that day, like a red and black jersey. It, it was so bad, but even at that time, I thought it was fashionable. <laughs> I think I even tried to find out where I might acquire a similar jersey. Um, and, and at the end of it, I, did, I interviewed Mo, and you must be glad to be back. And everybody thought Mo was back, but for whatever reason, it wasn't in Tablets of Stone. And Sunis and the then chief executive of Rangers, Alan Montgomery, who I had known when his time at Scottish TV, went to Paris with McMurdo and signed Morris Johnson. And they got Mo. And I remember coming back from, I'd been in a, a particularly cheap and dreadful holiday in Florida. And I came back to Glasgow uh, and I phoned Sunis to Ibrooks. And he said, uh, I said, it's all, all hell is breaking loose because you had Rangers fans in revolt, you had Celtic fans in revolt, and Sunis and Johnson were the talk of the country. And I said, you have to let me interview him. No way. No, 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 no. It's too, it's too raw yet for many people. Uh, he's out here anyway, and uh, he's trained this morning, and... Well, I'm going to come out anyway, Graham. So I went out, a cameraman, managed to get through the front door, managed to get into the Rangers dressing room. And uh, John Brown was saying, as a gaffer, okayed this. And I remember speaking to Sunis, and Sunis says to me, uh, you can ask him one or two questions. I thought, I've got it. But don't go nuts. I'll let you do it, but don't go crazy. So because there's only one question in town, and I said, you know, this is it. You're breaking a hoodoo. But only a few weeks ago, you said you were delighted to be coming back with the prospect of playing in an old firm game again. Well, you're going to be doing that. But you're going to be playing for Rangers. Well, how are you feeling about that? And I always remember Johnson looking at me, and I swear in my life, the realization of what he'd done had sunk in. And he was saying... 
<laughs> I know. And I remember thinking, you're only just realizing this. And it was an incredible time. And, uh, and I, was, I was amazed. I, I was delighted that Graham let me do it. And, uh, and uh, we actually had to do two or three takes, but we kept on getting interrupted by Rangers players coming in and ripping them apart. <laughs> uh, and it went out that night in Scottish TV, and it was incredible. Oh, I remember walking out the front door of Ibrox and seeing all these faces waiting for a glimpse of Johnson, thinking, let's get out of here. <laughs> Just back on to you, Jim. Move, move over to Sky eventually with Charlie Nicholas. Yeah. How did that come about and how good was it working with old champion Charlie? Mm. He, he and I went to Sky at the same time, uh, at the very same time. And I, I was then the presenter of Scottish football. So uh, he was a pundit and I, and I was uh, the presenter. And uh, we'd, we'd be doing like Hearts Against Rangers, but for, on many occasions we'd be down in London doing it and we'd be linking to the game in Scotland. It was just the way Sky did it then. And uh, that was great. Charlie, Charlie was fantastic. He's timeless, Charlie. You know, he, he just keeps going. I remember watching Nicholas in that game I was telling you about, playing for Scotland at the World Cup in Mexico, Mexico. and getting maimed by a guy, a Danish player. It wasn't Frank Arneson. I can't remember who it was. And uh, Charlie was carted off. He was a fantastic footballer, Nicholas. Mm -hmm. And I still respect him enormously for that. But Charlie's great. He's, he's one of the best wind-up merchants I've ever known. Is he a good laugh at him? Yeah, no nerves. No nerves at all. You could be going on air. It's Scotland against whoever it is, France. And uh, I turned to Nicholas and he's like, you know, I'll try it. You know, <laughs> good evening, Charlie. And then he was just great. He, uh -huh. and he, Charlie can give it. He's fantastic in studio, a great studio animal. And has done it at the highest level. I mean, even in London, I get in a taxi in London, even today, and taxi drivers give it, I'm an Arsenal fan, champagne Charlie, love him. <laughs> and they still go on about Charlie in the North Bank at Highbury and how the North Bank love him. Charlie, Charlie is a, oh, an idol to many, many people. We just go out together after the, the show, go and get your ears pierced together on it. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't go as far as that. We'd certainly go for a drink and Charlie would tell me what a wonderful player he was. <laughs> uh, as only Charlie could. Yeah, no, I was very, very friendly with him. And it would be Charlie and A another in a studio in London. So it might be, I remember uh, we Jim McLean, uh, we, he came down one day and he, it was not long after Jim had smacked the Scottish reporter in Tom the tunnel. Banzer. And I, it's totally along the lines that that's not mentioned in the interview. I'm like, of course it won't be mentioned, Jim. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Char Charlie Nichols is with me and, and Jim McLean. So, Jim, what happened in the tunnel? <laughs> and, of course, you're live and it's going out all over the place. And I always remember McLean. He's either going to do one of two things. He'll answer it or he'll hit me. <laughs> and he was, uh, well. And so he, he gives me an answer, goes into it. Uh, and then Nicholas gives me a bit more. And Jim, we're talking about the game. All right, blah, blah, blah. When we come back, it's blah, 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 blah. It's uh, whoever it was. It's um, Aberdeen against Rangers. We're going to commercial break and the silence and all I hear is, hey, you said you would not ask me that. And I'm like, what, Jim, what? <laughs> and I just pretended that people were talking to me. Like, yeah, 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 sorry, Jim, I can't get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we get round it that way. And then afterwards, we're chatting to wee Jim and he had enjoyed the occasion greatly and that had all been forgotten about. Brilliant. One thing I need to ask you is, uh, Jim, why are you so good? No. Uh, with with, with uh, the iconic Brian Lowdrop. 
what I remember of that is I was down, I think it was down in Helensburg. Did Laura, you used to live down there, right? Thanks, Donald. <laughs> and uh, so I was interviewing Laudrup, and at that stage, Laudrup could do no wrong. Essentially, that was a, that was a kind of, uh, I'm interested to know how you would ask it. So I was basically trying to say to him, you have the lot, you are almost a complete player. So, but the question was too long, it was too rambling. And I said, you know, when, it, when pe people look at you now in Scotland, you know, your close control is incredible. You, you're given a ball, nobody knows what you're going to do. You terrorize a defense. You, you're massive. Laudrup was a bit, is a big man. Uh, for a big guy, his pace was incredible. And it, he could give it. I said, you've virtually got everything. How come you are so good? But the question was so long. <laughs> I swear in my life that in editing, the editor says to me, the question goes on forever. I said, we'll just slash it. So the interview bobs along well. And it was like, Brian, it seems you've got the lot, but why are you so good? <laughs> so in other words, and this is the truth behind it, it's no kind of incredible adulation from me to him. I was like, you, you're amazing. You have the lot. How come you're so good? And of course then, it goes out. I never thought about it. Then I thought, why are people stopping me everywhere I'm going saying, Jim White, why are you so good? <laughs> what the hell are they talking about? And, and it was all back to that. Uh, but no, I get a laugh out of that. Uh, would I have asked it differently? You bet I would. Uh, I, would I would have made it much more concise. But he was something else to watch. Rangers fans really... I think they look back in that and they think, how on earth did we ever get Loudrop? How did, how did that team get Loudrop? Seeing your time covering Scottish football, have you been your, your favourite No, as a fan, I mean, the best player that you've seen in Scotland. Oh, well, no, Gascoigne would be. Better? Yeah. Gascoigne was incredible. Did you have any dealings with him? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> uh, and still do. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, Gascoigne was, was great. I, fe I felt for him like, like many people in Scotland. We were all wanting Gascoigne. We all wanted a bit of Gascoigne. And to get a bit of Gascoigne, you had to buy Gascoigne a glass of bevy, you know, like a champagne or something. And I had contributed to that, not proud of it. And I would have, you know, like well, on one occasion, I think we went into the center of town and Walter said, you can talk to him, but don't, like, there's no madness with him. Don't be going off in it anywhere. And of course, like, Paul, <laughs> here we are. Uh, and I would do an interview with Gascoigne, and I liked him immensely. And he would give a lot of himself. But to get to him, you know, it would be a few glasses of champagne. And I kind of regret that. And of course, at that time, I liked to drink then, which was stupid. But I, I liked Gascoigne. Gascoigne was amazing. Gascoigne could beat a team in his own, and did. The day that Rangers clinched the league at Ibrox against Aberdeen, Gascoigne was superhuman. Uh, he, he was amazing, but he was still Gascoigne. You know, at the end of the game, the, the, I remember like leading with my chin, and 
uh, saying to him something like, uh, so today was amazing, and next up, uh, I think you've, you, you've got Motherwell, uh, take a breath, and he's like, yeah, my mother's well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you did any opportunity. We, we, it, it was coming up to an old firm game, and uh, I was interviewing Gascoigne in the track at Ibrox, and he said, uh, give me a minute, this will be funny, and he disappears up the tunnel, and I'm like, he comes back out, and you know if you get a, like a medical, if you're in the kitchen and you burn yourself, you, you're like a blue elastoplast, blue. He comes out, and he's got this massive blue elastoplast right across his forehead. I'm like, you can't wear that. Just ask me a question. This would be funny. <laughs> it would be funny. And I'm like, Paul, you can't. We're about to do, you're about to play Celtic. It would be funny. All right. Well, Paul, obviously, um, you've been in training this morning. I can see you picked up an injury of some description. <laughs> we can all see it. What's happening? Yes, uh, I have. You're right. I have indeed been injured, Jim, uh, pre-match. But uh, people in the other camp, the, the opposing team, will be watching this interview. So let's not dwell on it because they'll find out where the, in the injury is and the nature of the injury. And we don't want to... could be my ankle. It could be my knee. <laughs> You know, <laughs> is that it? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, they'll never guess, will they? I'm like, let's start the interview now, will we? And he's like, so, and then at the end of it, it's just full of beans. But, uh, you know, some weeks ago when uh, Ray Wilkins sadly passed away, uh, I phoned Gascoigne's agent and I said to him, I haven't spoken to him for a while. I wonder, you know, I do talk sport in the morning as well as Sky. I'm on the air at 10 tomorrow morning. Do you think Paul would give me a few words about Ray? Because Gascoigne loved Ray Wilkins. And he said, well, you can ask him. On this occasion, you know, give him a call. This is his current number. So he gave me a number and I phoned my Gaza hi, it's Jim White. I said, look, cutting the short, short and the tall of it is, would you like to come on tomorrow morning? Yeah, I would, yeah. I said, so what will we do? Well, um, you give me a number and I'll call it. I'll call it. You get, text me a number and I'll call it. I said, it's just a couple of minutes before 10. I go on air at 10. Yeah. Something in, I don't know. And it was wrong to, of me to misjudge him. We go on air. We're about to go on air. There's a news bulletin going out. I look through the glass and I said to the producer, Gaza? And he goes, Brilliant. And I said, good morning, everybody. You know, the sad news about Ray Wilkins. Here's a man who loved him, Paul Gascoigne. Paul, good morning. Morning, Jim. And we just go into it. So I called him after that, and I said, thanks so much for doing it. And he said, I told you I'd do it. And I thought, nah, fair play to you. What do you think it is about yourself that these players like you and trust you so much? I don't know. I mean, oh, I've had plenty of custard pies. Don't worry about that. You know, I've had plenty of people giving it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just it's persistence, really. Uh, and it either pays off in the end. They either talk to you or they don't. That's the way I look at it. But I think while you're in the position, you've got to try. If you don't try, you know, you try, you don't know, you're not going to get. Do you think being a brass neck is a big part of it? I'm, I'm always curious to find if people, people will do it. I'm always curious to, to, to see if... Um, you know, the, the, the first time I was going on talk sport for the first time, I didn't know anything about radio. Um, and the day before the show, I thought, shit, you know, I'm pretty, I'm nothing prepared. So I phoned Mino Raiola, the super agent in Monaco. And I said, and Mino's an interesting guy. He's got Mkhitaryan and Pogba. 
Ibrahimovic as well, isn't it? Ibrahimovic. And uh, will you come on? Yeah, yeah, fine. Uh, and I thought, right, England were playing that night, uh, that day, and I thought, I need somebody about England. Who can I get? So I got a number for Gareth Barry. I, don't, I didn't really know Gareth Barry, and Gareth is like, Gareth has played an incredible number of games for club and country. Good player, huh? Good player. Uh, Jim, it's not something I'd normally do. And I said, yeah, it's just my first show in talk sport. Would you do it? Yeah, I'll do it. So then, and you're like, they're curious as well. It's not just me, they're curious. And you know, Barry did it, and Raiola did it, Raiola. Yeah. Soon there will be a 200 million pound player and all that, good line. But I was more, I was more keen that Gareth Barry did it, because A, not, it was very rarely heard of, and B, if anyone was qualified to talk about England, it's Gareth Barry. Yeah. So uh, I set myself little challenges, and I, and I tried to get them. Brilliant. Uh, on to the transfer deadline day. What was your first part in it? Was it quite tame to start with? Um, Whose idea was all the hysteria? And all it was a guy, this guy who's still the boss at Sky Sports News, Andy Cairns, and he was saying, let's hype it up, turn it into something. There's a deadline there, and we know club owners and chairmen and managers will try and do business. Let's just give it a bit of theatricality, a bit of urgency. And who's the clock for is that, ticking, eh? the clock is ticking. All that kind of thing. The emphasis, you would do the same. The clock is ticking. Uh, can they get this over the line? So I did that and they said, we've got something here. We've got something here. Uh, and then the next one came around. And the one that really exploded was um, uh, Chelsea were about to sign Robinho. And he went to City and City fans were celebrating that. Mark Hughes paraded him. But uh, Ferguson got Berbatov. And that, uh, so Manchester was buzzing. And then further down the line, Torres went from Liverpool to Chelsea, 50 million, blacked out people carrier. So Sky got the, the cameramen were contributing to it enormously. It wasn't me. They were working their butts off. You know, who is in that blackened out people carrier? Is it Torres? I don't know, but we'll find out after the break. So you hold the audience, they're all like, mm -hmm. and uh, basically it's suspense. You know, you're giving them all that. Uh, it was good, you know, it was really good, you know, like, who, who's, who's, who's at the training ground? Who's, who's coming in? Do you look forward to that day? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you hope that a big one will be held off so that you can have it in the final day. And even the ones that were too late, like Andrei Arshavin, you know, he signed the day later. Nobody said boo. Uh -huh. uh, just a bit of trouble getting the paperwork done. <laughs> um, but it was because it was dreadful weather in London. He couldn't fly in that night. He flew in the following day. So uh, stuff like that, and, and, and there were big moments, and Harry would contribute an, an awful He's lot to it, and yeah. Harry was on the end of the phone with me, and uh, you know, like, Jim, we're getting Charlie Adam, uh, and uh, he thought that Tottenham were getting Charlie Adam from uh, Liverpool, but they left it too late. Yeah, from Blackpool, I beg your pardon. And he went from Blackpool to Liverpool in the end, but Harry thought that he was gonna go to Tottenham. It didn't get done, the deal didn't go over the line, and Harry was, I always remember, Harry phoned me up afterwards, Oh, where is Charlie Adam? <laughs> and uh, like, you know, I'm sure we had him. Uh, and uh, they didn't go. So the ones that don't get over the line are just as interesting as the ones that do. Uh, and, and now it's just like, you know, well back to Arsenal, I always remember. And uh, we're like, well back, is he going to go to Arsenal? Is it really going to happen? And Arsenal were like, you better cool it. You know, we cool it. our advice is cool that one. 
Like, really? But we'd gone balls out in it. You know, Welbeck's having a medical. I remember being on with Alan Smith, ex-Arsenal. I said, Alan, come on, you must have people you know. Text Arsenal, go on with it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Alan play, played a little part, and he said, yeah, yeah, I think he's having a medical. So uh, we better go easy on it. I'm like, yeah, sure. Come out the commercial break. <laughs> Let me tell you, Welbeck's having a medical right now. Alan Smith, would he be a good acquisition for Arsenal? I was like, <laughs> so you know, you got uh, they're, they're, there's a massive watching audience, and they're all, they all want to know. They all want to know. They're in in it. What's your favourite one? Have you got a favourite? I don't honestly know. You know, in all honesty, the last one. The last one's of the next one is my favourite one. I just look forward to it. The next one will be better than any that's happened before. I always tell myself that. Mm -hmm. And who knows, maybe I won't be doing it. What about a favourite co-host? While you're doing it? Oh, I used to love being on with Natalie. Natalie Sawyer. Sawyer she was yeah. a huge uh, fan's favourite. <laughs> uh, and she was a great foil for me because she would always like, uh, you know, keep Jim in his box. Uh, I like being on with, with, with certain guys you can but I like being on with Merce. Paul Merson's great to be Merson, on with. Yeah. yeah. Really? What? Well, what a signing. <laughs> you know, incredible. And then you go into the break and he goes, what, what was it? Who's it? <laughs> like, good Merce. Um, he's fantastic. Merson's great to be in the studio with. Uh, Hayley McQueen's wonderful to be on. Unfortunately, she's no, no longer with me. Went to Fox in America. Kate Abdo. Oh, she was good. Really, she gave it a glamour. Kate's uh, bilingual, speaking any language. Kate, God love her. You know, uh, are they sending so and so? Kate's onto a Spanish agent in a commercial break. See, blah 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 blah. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. These so and so is coming. Brilliant, so Kate's eh? playing a part as well. Uh, you know, I would struggle in that one. I'd be booking a hotel in Magaluf. She's actually doing the deal. <laughs> uh, Things like that. So she was marvellous, and now at Fox, she's gone there. You know, she's wonderful, wonderful out there. It's a great thing. One thing I need to ask you about as well is uh, we Vinny Tan. How was that experience with Vincent the Tan? Man of her? Oh, wonderful. Uh, I love Vincent Tan. I don't think I'll ever be able to persuade Malky Mackay to love Vincent Tan. <laughs> but that, that was a very unfortunate se set of circumstances. I'm very friendly with Malky Mackay, who you'll know. And he was manager at Cardiff. Um, whatever the intricacies of it, uh, a story emerges that, that there, were, there were improper text messages sent, etc., etc. Market ultimately paid a heavy price. Anyway, I, I got an interview with Vincent Tan, and it, you know, like it was—I remember it to this day. One of his people uh, at Cardiff City, Mr. Tan, would like to speak to you. He'd like to give you an interview. And Vincent was always known as this uh, very interesting billionaire Malaysian businessman who didn't really give interviews. But Tan will speak to me. And I remember it was very nonchalant. Uh, I said, where? Oh, Friday. And I'm like, oh, Friday, okay, great. Okay, myself and the cameraman, where, where should we go? Kuala Lumpur. <laughs> and I, right, okay. So I spoke to Sky, and, and they were like, well, if no one else is getting it, and they, their methodology there is, if no one else is gonna get it, go. So we arrive in Kuala Lumpur, and um, the little lady there with the, the sign, Jim White. So I said, I, I am he. So uh, you were staying at Mr. Tan's uh, Berjaya Hotel in Kuala Lumpur. Oh, lovely. So Spiney and I get in this car, and off we go, and we're looking about Kuala Lumpur. And he owns the Berjaya Group, and there are many things Berjaya. 
you know, casino, hotel, hotel. So Vincent's extremely influential. Uh, we get to the hotel, and I am told the interview will happen tomorrow morning. Uh, great. You must go to the roof of the hotel at nine. Really? The roof of the hotel. To be flung off. And I'm thinking, it? if he doesn't like a question, <laughs> I'm going off the roof. Uh, <laughs> He said, no, 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 uh, you and your cameraman, you, you check out the hotel and uh, you're going to see Mr. Tan. Uh, he's flying you to, to, his, uh, to his island. And I'm like, this is interesting. Great. So Spiny and I are like, oh God, what are we in here? So we go to the roof of the hotel the following morning. Morning, there is Vincent's helicopter and the two helicopter pilots. But it's not just any helicopter. This is like a 12-seater Good morning. I said, how far are we flying? You're going to Tiamen Island. I said, where is that? It's an hour's flight. Um, right, are we, are we interviewing him on the island? No, on his, on his boat. I'm like, great. So we're filming on the, on the helicopter. And it's basically one of those, where are we going to? And there is the island. And there is this yacht. And it's a 50 million pound uh, Chinese built boat. And Vincent's on the boat. We land in the island and uh, another boat takes us out. So it, it was absolute theater. And as we approach the boat, I see this uh, activity on board. And there is Vincent in his red Cardiff shirt going. <laughs> with the trunks on? He's waiting with the shades on, trousers, Cardiff shirt. And I'm like, this is happening, this is happening. <laughs> so I just said to Spiny, whatever happens, film everything. <laughs> we go on, Vincent, how are you? Welcome to Malaysia, Jim. And Vincent Tan is an incredible individual. Uh, I love the man, I, I respect him enormously. At the back of my mind, I'm thinking, Malky Mackay, I want to cover, I want to do a bit for Malky here. But it was beyond that, and Malky knew that in truth. So... We, we, we do the interview, all the pleasantries are over, we do the interview in the boardroom of the, of the yacht. Of the, I mean, the, 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 the boat was incredible. And I'm thinking, we're flying back tomorrow, where are we staying tonight? Vincent is like, you're in two cabins. You're staying in two cabins on board with me. So we do the interview. Part of the interview we do in the deck, part of the interview we do downstairs. I always remember he, he gave us white fluffy slippers to walk around in, <laughs> in the boat. And we were shuffling about in these Vera Duckworth type Slippers. Uh, and he was amazing. He was great, almost a, not quite apologetic, but he had to take hard measures because he felt that he had been insulted and respect is everything to Vincent. He taught me many things, actually. Mm -hmm. Always remember, Jim, respect. You know, the, the man in the street uh, who doesn't have much money, who's, who's maybe disabled on the corner, sitting in the street corner, is the same as Vincent Tan. You know, we are all here on earth at this one time. Wow. I loved it, I love him. I, I, I was saying to a good friend of mine this morning that Vincent's invited me out to Tiananmen Island this summer to play golf. The summer's just about past now. I will try and go out. But I, and he gave me a fantastic interview. The FA needs to do more, Jim. We need to clean up the game. Sexism can no longer happen in this life. Racism cannot happen. Uh, homophobia, this cannot happen. Not, if I'm in English football, this must all be eradicated. A very powerful man. Brilliant, eh? Just and surprised I, I, Malky never got chucked off that roof. Well, Malky, <laughs> unfortunately, never got back and has never 
you got a job at the SFA, which I was very, very pleased about, but never got back into English football in any, uh, in any, got the job at Wigan, but not, nothing in any great force or form. And he, he paid a, quite a, a heavy price. But I, I, I'm still a great admirer of Marky. I like him immensely. I think he's a very talented guy in football. And it, it's just something that came and went. Uh, but unfortunately, it touched a nerve with someone that was not prepared to let that go. Another interview, Charles Green. How did you end up in his... Uh, did you take him up some grapes? Charles Green. In the hospital? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Charles Green had called me to say that uh, in some areas of social media, he was being bad-mouthed, which uh, to me was really no real surprise, Charles. <laughs> uh, and uh, would I come and interview him? And um, I hadn't heard much of Char- from Charles Green. I, I'd, be, I'd given up on Craig White eventually as well. I'd interviewed him down in Monaco, and he was running here, there, and everywhere. And uh, so Charles Green. And eventually he says to me, I'm in London. Uh, I'd like you to interview me. Come in and interview I said, where are you? Well, I've actually just had a, a, a knee or a hip operation. I think it was a knee operation. Uh, all morphined up, but I'm in a private hospital in St. John's Wood. All right, okay. So how do we get you then? Well, I'm in room so-and-so. So basically, myself and the cameraman, it wasn't spiny on this occasion, but another cameraman. We go down there. Uh, we get ourselves into the hospital. <laughs> And we go to, and they, and they find the room, not the door. There is uh, the instantly recognisable Charles Green, like <laughs> all hooked up. Uh, Charles, how are you? Come in, come in. <laughs> and uh, I'm like looking around, thinking, oh well, may as well do this. <laughs> we get it up and we do it. And of course, he's calling everybody for everything. Um, he's not the man that he's being portrayed, portrayed to be. Uh, Mike Ashley, I think, and he was saying that Mike Ashley's investment would be a good thing for Rangers. Anyway, all these kind of like fairly incendiary comments were being made by Charles, and that was it. We we come and went, we came and went, and again, it was kind of lost on me the kind of the almost farcical appearance of him, all wired up in bed, talking to me about Rangers in London. Um, and that, of course, is transmitted all over the place. And in here, it made uh, an impact for many different reasons. Uh, but that's how we got it. Uh, you never had to help me in the toilet like that, did you? I know. We, yeah. we, we left fairly hastily after we got the interview. But Charles, I always remember him. I, I, I remember looking at him with the, the hospital gown on. Uh, and, and the sheet was fairly far by, and I thought, I wonder, will I be able to tidy up that shot if it drops down enough that it might get a bit embarrassing for Charles? <laughs> like, you know. Uh, but no, at the end of the interview, that, that was it. I thanked him, he thanked me. And that was another, like, um, I was curious about that time, but it was another, like, well, why not? Mm-hmm. Let's go to that hospital in St. John's Wood. Yeah, and let's interview him. See, because when, it would be stupid not to. See, when you're interviewing somebody, can you tell if they're bullshitting? Ah, uh, I thought I could with Craig White. The, uh, and I never, I, uh, the Craig White situation at Rangers is one that will always leave me bewildered because I had a route into him. And on the anniversary of the Rangers going into administration, I went to Monaco and I interviewed him. I actually flew down in the same flight. And I, and I was telling him, you know, I will actually, I'll ask you X, Y, and Z. Fine. <laughs> Your call. 
because I've done nothing wrong. And I was thinking, what is this all about? And there were Arsenal shares at Rangers. Yes, there were. But you sold them. Yes, I did. Why did you do that? I didn't realize the club held them in such high esteem and so on. You know, and things like that. I mean, and I hit him with a big one at the end. Craig White, do you fear arrest? And he's like, I do not fear arrest. I do not fear, I have not done anything. And I was thinking, is it me? Is it me? And of course, ultimately, much further down the line, he, he's involved in a, a lengthy court case here in Glasgow, and he's a free man. Just the last one I want to ask you about on, while we're on the subject of Rangers. You went over to Dave King's house in, in South Africa. How, yeah. How was that? Is he, uh, a, is he a mate, Dave King? No, I, no, I, I wouldn't call him a mate, and I, I don't think Dave would call me a mate. Uh, mm. I met Dave King in London, and um, he, was coming, he was coming in to talk about uh, him and Paul Murray and uh, John Gilligan uh, and, and their, their moves for the club and how this was going to change the club. But you can meet me in London if you want. And uh, not for an interview, but just a chat. So uh, I met Dave King uh, uh, in the coffee bar at Harrods in Knightsbridge, had a chat with him, had a cameraman sitting outside. And Dave was saying, well, I need to fly up to Glasgow now. Thanks. I'll be speaking to you soon. We'll keep in touch. And I said, we've got to do something before you go to Glasgow. Because I'm thinking, while he's on the flight, Sky Sports News will put out what I get. I don't want to do that. And I said, yeah, but I don't want to do that. I'm just in from South Africa. I'm unshaven. To be fair to Dave King, he said, okay, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Just two or three questions, two or three answers. And, and that worked well for me because he then went to the airport and as he flew up, I put that out. I kept in touch with him and I said, I want, can we do something a bit uh, more ex expansive? And uh, he said, yeah, you, can, you can come out to South Africa. And it, it was a bit of toing and froing, but I, I flew out there on my own. I met a cameraman out there who's an intrepid guy, a guy called Garwin, who's used to working with uh, a hard, sh harder news, in, like in Zimbabwe, in South Africa, in Soweto, uh, with a reporter there, you know, Alex Crawford, a female reporter who's just an iconic reporter, fearless. So Garwin was fantastic. Uh, I met Dave King the night before, and uh, I said, we'll, we'll, we'll arrive. Dave King owns the most incredible real estate that you've ever seen Does he, right? in a place, uh, and, uh, in a very affluent area of Johannesburg. And Garwin met me the following day in a big, uh, massive Jeep with a camera at the front, camera on the windscreen, and we drove up to the, we gave it the full Hollywood treatment. Like, mm, Mr. King, please, Do you know, does he know you're coming? Yes, who are you? Jim White, Sky Sports, at Gates, in we go, Garmin's filming it all. Dave King comes out, Jim, how are you? So we go in and, um, and that was that. And, uh, and we did quite a good interview, uh, Dave, but to get to the real Dave King, to find out what's going on in there, you've got to be a bit more special and more, uh, a better interviewer than me. Uh, uh, do you want me to do it? I got, I got. <laughs> do you want me to do it? Yeah, I think you'll need to do it. I think you'll do it, mate. You, you, I think you'll get it. I got so far with Dave uh, uh, and, and only so far. 
But at least it showed we were there, we were inside, we spoke about this, we spoke about Ashley, we spoke about Sports Direct, we came back and we put it out. To Rangers fans, to many people, uh, I'm not sure, I know Ashley watched it. <laughs> You've been some places still, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, and it's not over yet, you know. Still going strong. You've you got to think, you know, what is, it, what is still there? And uh, unless you're waking up with that, I don't think it's worth it, you know. Like, to have, like, what can we do? I'm working on a few at the moment. And, uh, like, the Vincent Tan for all the various paraphernalia that went on around it, that made that a kind of special shoot. And Spiney, being the gifted cameraman that he was, was very, very good. I, I did some things in the NFL, which was quite exciting out in America. And I did a, a half hour with the, the owner of the New England Patriots, Robert Kraft, who uh, uh, was a friend of Trump. And uh, Kraft's a very interesting man, a brilliant businessman. And I remember saying to, to Robert, after the, the lengthy interview we did, and he was great, about how he owns the Patriots and what the Patriots mean to Americans. And I said, Robert, that was great. And I thought, I may as well try. If you don't try, you don't get. And I said, we have a fantastic half hour, but you know what will make a fantastic half hour, an unmissable half hour back home? He said, I know what you want. I said, what do I want? You want Tom Brady, our quarterback. And Tom Brady, of course, is the man. Can't walk down any street in the US. Uh, so he's on his phone. I'll never forget it. And he, he said, oh, I've tried, we'll, we'll see what happens. So we're getting the stuff together, and it's great. And the next thing, Kraft's phone goes, Tom Brady, I'm looking at it. Hi, Tom, where are you? Oh, you are, you're in the Gillette Stadium. And I'm thinking, is this about to happen? Uh, and Brady is like, I don't know how to put it, it's like Neymar, you know, getting a sit down with Neymar. Probably bigger, actually. Uh, he's a six foot four quarterback the most recognizable guy in the US, probably one of the three most recognizable men in the USA. And he said, I want you to come and meet a friend of mine. Yeah, I'll come to you, where are you? Okay, so Kraft leaves me. And he walks through swing doors like those over there, wooden doors. And he said, get your cameras set up like this shoot we've got here. Get one on you, handheld, and get the other two on the door. I'll come in with Brady in 10 minutes. Introduce yourself and ask him a couple of questions about owner-player relationship, owner-MVP relationship, most valuable player relationship. And that'll be it. And it was the best put-down ever. And he said, because it was, it was in the aftermath of Deflategate. And I don't know if you remember, out there, it was alleged that the Patriots deflated a ball in a match to allow Brady greater trajectory to floor it further to throw it further as a quarterback throws to the wide receiver. Kraft and Brady said to the NFL, we didn't deflate the ball. Nobody deflated the ball. So that was what Robert was referring to. So a couple of nice questions with Tom, but nothing more than that, okay? You know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna get you Brady. And I said, I understand. And I always remember it, Kraft said to me, because you ask him anything else, you and I no longer have a relationship. I said, Understood. The door shut. Oh, Jesus Christ, right? Okay, get ready, get ready, get ready. And I always remember it was one of those woo -woo moments. Doors open, and Kraft and Brady played it brilliantly. Kraft's quite a short man, very well dressed. Brady, enormous, incredible looking guy. He walks over to me. I'll never forget it. He goes, Hi, Jim. 
I'm Tom Brady, I've heard all about you. <laughs> and I'm like, you've heard about me. I said, Tom, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for doing this. Tell me about your relationship with Mr. Kraft. Oh, he's the man. He's given me my opportunity. They, they, they bought me at the draft they, when I was a nobody. Uh, and now I've only achieved what he's allowed me to achieve. Wonderful, wonderful guy. I said, Robert, thanks so much for allowing me to speak to Tom. It's a pleasure. That was that. Kraft knew how to do it. And that was a moment of, I'll never forget it. Are you thinking about asking about the bone now? I thought way? about it. I, th I did think about it. Uh, Brady was too cute. He wouldn't have answered it, and I would have wrecked the relationship with Robert. And I had too much respect for Kraft. He was, he was letting me do something incredible. Great I moment. mean, and I looked through the, the, the doors, and two New England Patriots officials walk with Tom in their own stadium. They walk with Brady. He's the man. And his, cars, his, his vehicle's in the car park. About four of them walk with Brady to the car park. And Brady leaves to say, you know, amazing. Uh -huh. Any other monu monumental moments, sorry, that, that stick out, or would that be the one? Hey, that, that would be close to it. I mean, I know Pelly, and I love Pelly. I met Pelly in uh, Hamden in 1989 at the World Youth Tournaments, and I had a, a pose with him, and we were sort of like, it was a big embrace, and I met him in London recently, and Pelly and I, and Pelly were saying, we must do the same pose, the same pose. And, uh, I interviewed him and we put that out on Twitter, the, the, the shot then in 1989, the shot then, the same pictures. And of course, many people were saying, oh, wonderful, it must have been great to, uh, to see your friend Pelly again. Of course, the, the trolls are always out in force. Uh, Jim White, what's he doing in a picture with you, you twat? You know, the usual <laughs> respectful stuff that you get on Twitter. Uh, but. But uh, Pelly always gives me a bit of a, you know, a show-stopping yeah, moment. Brilliant. Have you ever fell up with anyone over a story or, or an interview? Oh, yeah, you have your moments. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, yeah, you know, inevitably, I've, uh, I've had the, 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 the finger warning from uh, Sir Alex. It was very few people haven't. Um, but it, it's taught me a lot. I mean, he's been extremely good to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've had, I've had the odd moment. I've had supporters come at me now and again. The odd moment of, eek, this might get out of hand. Um, when I was at SDV, surrounded by a few Celtic fans getting a bit heated. Uh, I never felt phased by it, never, never worried me in any way. But um, moments that make you, you know, certainly you have to be on your metal. Uh -huh. I know I've asked already, but just looking back on your whole career, what would be your favourite experience? Uh, there have been a few. That, that, there have been a few. I mean, I'm 61 now. I don't know how long it will go on for. Uh, I would say, and I really, really do mean this, the favourite one is yet to happen. There will be a howitzer, I hope. Because all of it's fairly there. There. And I think there's one there that's yet to happen. I think it's been there, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People better than me out there. Loads of them. It's been there. I'm quite happy with it. I could have done better, though. I give myself a six or a seven out of ten. Oh. I, th I think there's one there that's a nine that I've yet to attempt and get. Well, why do you think you've not been a nine up to now? Uh, be because of the unattainability of the person that I've tried and haven't quite managed to get like the Roman Abramovich type thing yet. Uh, you know, you never give up. You never give up. Uh, I, 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 it's just about motivating yourself. It's just that. It's just about 
come on, I've got to get there. Get, you I'm know, sure you'll get there. Not for me as well, to, to get it out there for people to see, because it is my honest belief everybody is uh, approachable. Mm-hmm. Just nearly done. Uh, on the talk spot. Uh, it's always good to hear you sticking up for the Scottish football, but yeah. you got a bit of a backlash with old golf ball cheeks, Adam Rooney, didn't you? With Adam Rooney? Uh, yeah, I don't really know why. Um, we were talking in the studio about that, and Joe is a very talented producer at TalkSport in London, and he was saying to me quite quizzically, how can it be that uh, uh, a, a player at Aberdeen can, can, can go to a club like Salford City at that level of, of the game in England? Uh, we call it the fifth tier of English football, uh, and go from Aberdeen, cup winners, cup winners, cup winners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got Willie Miller on to try and give it some kind of um, sense. And Willie was good, you know, held the cup winners cup. So how can we, have, I, I remember Aberdeen with Ferguson, uh, Miller McLeish, Hewitt, uh, McGee. And Adam Rooney is going from there to there in my view. But of course, Salford City could match, more than match, their wage. And to be fair, I was speaking to Derek McInnes afterwards, who wasn't caring in the least about the fact that we dredged that up. But he was saying, they could pay his wages, Jim. But also, he was saying that he had a, had a very good return from Adam Rooney. And that maybe the time was for Adam to move on. And Adam Rooney and his representatives chose Salford City. So maybe it was a bit one of those. It was, it was maybe a bit of a, a storm in a teacup, but it certainly got a reaction, I know that. And I, I felt for Adam Rooney because I, I think he faced a bit of a backlash up here about it. Just on the future, Jim, busy man these days. Two jobs, as you said, 61. How, how much longer are you going to go for? Hey, it's a very good question. Who knows? Uh, I'd like to think that the decision will be mine, but we were saying at breakfast this morning, you never know. We're probably like, we're like football managers, you know, like, bosh, one day, thanks, Jim, goodbye. Could be that. You hope it wouldn't. Uh, I need to, you know, really push myself to the max in the in the home straight of it. Uh, I had a bit of ill health last year, which kind of lingered a bit because I I, I stressed myself out about a few things, uh, and I don't want that to return. So I need to avoid that, but keep pushing hard. Uh, pretend that oh yeah yeah I'm listening to the medical people. <laughs> keep it going. This is a great opportunity that we've got, you've got. You love it. You clearly love what you do. And, um, uh, you know, we're, we're very lucky to be doing what we do. It's why you do it. Be in a situation that you look back in it and you think, aye, yeah, yeah, I gave it. I gave it the lot. I gave it the lot. Jim, I've absolutely loved listening to you. Thanks very much, mate. Brilliant. Cheers. Great seeing Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to everybody here. Cheers. Audi, we believe you deserve the best of both worlds. Experience the power of petrol with the efficiency of electric with the new Audi Q5 TFSIE plug-in hybrid. Cover everyday journeys in electric mode or go further with an effortless switch to the petrol engine. The new Audi Q5 TFSIE plug-in hybrid is part fuel, part electric, all Audi. Audi. Technik. Hey, do you know what will go great with this podcast right now? 
a scrumptious Cadbury snack. Crumbly biscuits smothered in smooth, delicious Cadbury milk chocolate. Oh, yeah. Cadbury snack, the perfect biscuity bite for that mid-morning break. Pick one up in a store today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.